So let's open our, our Bibles this morning to the book of Psalms, actually, Psalm 147. If you do not have a Bible, it will be um, on the screen behind me. And this is in connection to the sermon from two Thessalonians that I'm going to preach. And in particular, different verses, but in particular, uh, verses 15 and 16. So let us read from Psalm 147, and there we find the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. How good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. The Lord sustains the humble and casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with grateful praise. Make music to our God on the harp. He covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love. Extol the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise your God, Zion. He strengthens the bars of your gates and blesses your people within you. He grants peace to your borders and satisfies you with the finest wheat. He sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up his breezes and the water flows. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series um, in the book of Thessalonians, and I have as my theme this morning, uh, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And I will tell you today that this is a theme that is filling the airways in Ukraine. Don't give up. Vladimir Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, gave this impassioned plea yesterday. He says, we will stand and we will fight. We won't put down our weapons. We'll protect our country because our weapon is our truth. Because it's our land, our country, for our children, for all of us, and we will defend it. Although we are removed from the crisis by thousands of kilometers, really. The crisis still overwhelms our hearts. We've been connected through social media and through news feeds, and our prayers must remain relentless for this nation. But you have to understand something here this morning, that the evil that's perpetuated there, the evil that perpetuates war, the evil that foments in the hearts of despotic leaders, that thirst for power, that thirst for wealth, that thirst for recognition, that thirst for control, is not tied to Russia and to the Kremlin only. No, it's an evil actually that knows no bounds on this earth, it seems. 
the sin that pervades the world that hates God because it refuses to do God's will. It should not surprise us as we look around, even as we look into our own hearts, that wars continue, that there's greed, that there's corruption, that there's adultery, that there's sexually deviant practices, that there's revenge, that there's hatred, that there's jealousy, that there's malice and there's contempt and unbridled anger. That shouldn't surprise any of us. We live in a broken, sinful world because we have to understand when the heart is evil, the actions that flow from the heart will also be what? Evil. And what's perpetuating this evil until Jesus returns, of course, is the evil one. He's fueling the fire and he will continue to fuel that fire until Christ comes back and puts an end to him. And so what we witness in this war and the greed and the corruption and every other kind of evil that we see in this world, there's this kind of what you call this axis of evil. Between partnering between the heart of human man or the heart of a woman and, and the devil himself creating this axis and creating it, what we see going on all over the world. But ultimately you have to understand that the intent of the evil one is very directed at Christ and his church. Behind all that, there's this, this war going on, but if you were to break it all down to the sum of its parts, the very focus of this war ultimately is perpetuated by a devil who hates the church. Interestingly, the church, the evangelical church in Ukraine is a strong church and growing. Romans 13, Revelation 13 speaks about this enormous red dragon seeking to devour the woman who bore the God-child, Jesus the woman is Christ, sorry, the woman is the church, the, the, the man-child, of course, is God, Jesus, and the child has been since returned to heaven, we read, but this is what we read in verse 17 of Revelation 13, it says, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, that's us, those who keep God's command and hold fast their testimony about Jesus, that's what the devil's after those who hold their testimony about Jesus. You see, behind every war that we witness on earth, you could say there's an other war in the background. And it's the war that wages, rages in our hearts. It's the war that rages in this world against Christ, even in his church. I hope it doesn't rage in our hearts, but, but it does rage in this world. Paul says, Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, the clarion call of the gospel, the clarion call of the word of truth against this rampant wickedness in our age is simply this, don't give up. Don't surrender. Don't capitulate. Fight the spiritual fight until the day, the new day dawns and the morning star appears. Fight until Jesus returns and keep on fighting until that happens. Until the day of truth comes and Christ will take his seat and he will execute his justice even as he unleashes his mercy upon us. Fight and don't give up. And the power invested in us by the Holy Spirit, who is a fighting spirit, by the way, we can read our text this morning, which is taken from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 5. It's a request for prayer. That's how the summary goes on this passage. Let's read this passage together. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. We'll get to that. For not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and listen, he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one, which is that mighty dragon. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. That this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can open your word now and have it proclaimed. And we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we will never give up. That we will live on the foundation, the true foundation of your word by the power of your Holy Spirit and that we will not surrender. That we will not move into the darkness of our age. But by your grace, hold on to the truth and follow your commands and cherish what we have in Christ until the day of his return. Bless us now as we open this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's our theme for this morning. Don't ever give up. We're going to look at three things on on prayer. Don't ever give up in prayer. For gospel growth, don't ever give up on the Lord's faithfulness because he is faithful. And don't give up on the Lord's will for your life, because he has commands for you that he wants you to follow. Let's begin with prayer. Don't ever give up on prayer for gospel growth or gospel advancement. This is how Paul begins. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. So so Paul is drawing this letter now to a close. He begins with finally, or as for other matters, another way of translating that is finally. He, he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm closing up shop here. Just, there's just two things I want you to know before I go. The first one is don't ever give up. And the second one is don't be idle. That seems to work well together. We'll learn about being idle next week, so stay tuned. Today we're going to learn about but don't giving up. And and he's calling the church to action, even though he's laid the foundation that God's love is so comprehensive that in Christ we are chosen to eternal life. That's the foundation that we talked about last week. We establish our life on the basis of Christ's redeeming, elective love in our lives. He sets the foundation for our life. But because he does that, doesn't call us to inaction. His, His call on our life is a call, as we learned last week, to action. And the action that he calls his church to today is prayer. The action that he calls his church today is to prayer. And may, and may we never get this wrong. May we always get this right. We're going to start with prayer. Paul says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, 
pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly just as it is with you. Pray that the message will go, the message of salvation, the, the gospel message. I want you to pray. I like what the, um, the message says, another translation of the Bible. It says, pray that the master's word will simply take off and race through the country to a groundswell of response just as it did among you. You see, we're in a different kind of war. We're not in the war of taking lives. We're in the war of promoting life. We're in the war of giving life, you could say. And that battle is waged through the peace of the gospel, the hope of the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the love of the gospel, the recognition of the gospel. We want the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saves souls, that he brings people into an everlasting relationship with him, that he gives the abundant life that we all need. We want that gospel truth to hit every corner of the world. That's the war we live. Fight, sorry. And it begins with prayer. I like what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. And all God's people say, amen. Whenever God determines to do a great work, he sets his people to pray. And, and, and the verb choice that Paul uses here, again, is in the present tense. He says, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. This is a daily requirement, a daily command, a daily imperative on the church of Jesus Christ, that daily we are called to pray that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ can hit more people. Now, there's a lot of things that a preacher could ask prayer for, like Paul. He could ask prayer for his health concerns because he had them. He could ask prayer for the way that um, his own, some of his own leaders treated him and deserted him. He could ask prayer for family back in Jerusalem that he had. We knew he had family back there. He could ask prayer for the times that he's hungry at night, that he sleeps out in the cold, that he's, he has to deal with shipwrecks. He could ask prayer for a lot of things that most of us would say, man, we need prayer for that. But the burning passion of Paul's heart, which is the ultimate reality for the church, really, is for the good news of Jesus Christ to go out. He says, there's nothing more important to me to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going out and bringing in souls to eternal life, and I want your prayer for that. And I wonder this morning if you share the same passion. How important is it, is it for you to see the gospel advance in this neighborhood, for example? How important is it for you to see the gospel advance in Hamilton? and the different regions that trickle from Hamilton? How important is it for you to see the gospel flourish in Canada? How, is, how important is it for you to see the gospel flourish in, in, in Mexico, in Indonesia? It, we have some Indonesians here with us. Thank you, Lord. And, and we have people from other countries in Central America here with us. How important is it for you to see the gospel flourish in those lands? In India, I, name the country. How important is it that it would become the first thing on your prayer list. Pray for, don't pray for me, just, just, just pray that the gospel continues to go out. Because listen, your passion, the passion of your heart, informs your prayer life. What you're passionate about here 
you talk about out here. Paul says, I am passionate about seeing people changed by the gospel. It moves me to pray, he says. Now, Paul captures two images here with this idea of this prayer um, chain, this call to prayer. It, the first is from 147. He says, well, he says here, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly. And the idea of spread rapidly, Paul, I think, has two images in mind. The first image might be from Psalm 147, which is why I read Psalm 147. Psalm 147, verse 15, says these words. It says, he sends his command to the earth. His word runs slowly. Swiftly, thank you. His word runs swiftly. Nothing's going to stop it. He's going to send his word, and it's going to traverse all the national boundaries that we've created right across the globe, and it's going to reach nation after nation after nation. His word is going to run swiftly. And Paul has that in mind, but he might have also had this in mind, which were the Olympic Games that started many years, years before him in, in the Greco-Roman world. And Corinth, in particular, had the games called the Ithmian Games. I hope I said that properly. And, and the Ithmian Games, I, this is a picture that I found on Google. I have no idea if this is what it looked like. But it kind of started like that. Paul had a lot, a lot of imagery in his letters around racing, about running. And, and I'm sure he saw a few of these races as he was walking through Corinth or Thessalonica or Berea or Athens. Lots of good runners back there. They used to run with the Olympic torch and stuff. Is just as you watch these races and people moving from one end to the other, that's how the gospel needs to go. Quickly, like Usain Bolt at 9.59 seconds and 100 meters. Crazy fast. That's the gospel. It needs to spread, and you need to be behind that, praying for it to spread. Okay? That's what he's saying. You see, the gospel can suffer no pulled tendons or muscles, no delay of rays, no obstacles on the track. It must, re- must run quickly to, to do what it's called to do, which is the changing of many lives. It cannot come back empty. Don't give up praying for the advancement of the gospel. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 or 17, pray without ceasing. Because what the, go- the gospel does, it takes back ground that the devil is holding. That's what the gospel does. The gospel literally takes back ground. It takes back souls. It takes back lives that are enslaved to the devil. The gospel comes in by the power of Holy Spirit and breaks those chains free and sets prisoners free all over the world. You can't like something more than that. Paul says, I want to see that happening more and more. I want to see more lives transformed, more lives changed, more lives, more lives. Please keep this in prayer. And when that happens, when that happens, when the gospel spreads rapidly and and, and people are changed by that gospel, guess what? It's being honored. May it spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. When, When the gospel takes root in your hearts and you believe in Jesus Christ and you turn away from sin, the gospel is being honored. But when the gospel is being honored, ultimately Christ is glorified. The same word is in Greek, doxa, which means glory, is used for honor here. Ultimately, that glory belongs to God. And where that begins, loved ones, where that prayer begins is right here. In a biography of sorts on Spurgeon, I mentioned Spurgeon, the the British preacher from the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon. 
He met in a large church called the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England. It says in this biography of sorts that a group of pastors asked Spurgeon why his church had grown so quickly and why there were so many conversions. Why are so many people being changed by the gospel? So what he did then was bring them into the basement, to a room. I think I've shared this before maybe. And in that room there were 200 men on their knees in prayer before the service. Praying that the gospel would advance powerfully from the pulpit. You want to see people changed by the power of the gospel? It's not going to be my eloquence or lack thereof, my erudition or desperate lack thereof. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in your lives by God's grace, and you're going to be praying about that. That God works powerfully Sunday mornings to bring people into our midst, even online, and people are literally transformed by that gospel, changed from death to life. That's what I long to see. I hope you long to see exactly the same thing. So get praying, Paul says. But it doesn't end there. You know very well that the devil's holding sway over the community that we're planted in, McQuesten. He still has a stranglehold on many people's lives in this neighborhood. I get to hear their stories. It just breaks my heart. But our weapon still is prayer. We need to pray for its advancement in McQuesten neighborhood. I hope you know that. If you're part of Mercy Church, you need to be on board with that. You need to sign on the dial line. How do we pray more for our neighborhood right here, right now? That's why we engage in prayer walks. That's why we're reaching into Oriel Crescent with our sports nights. That's why we roll the Mums and Tots program. That's why a bunch of brothers are starting the Spanish night and sisters. That's why we do individual Bible studies. Why? To see the gospel advance. And I'm going to ask you this morning, are you on board with all of that? Does that get you fired up? To see the gospel advance in the community where Jesus has planted us. Because if it doesn't, I love you, but if it doesn't, this may not be the church for you. You need to be all about this. It starts here off this pulpit. It moves into this community. You need to be active in prayer. And when your prayer is moving that way, your legs are going to follow where your prayer goes. Paul says, pray that the word will spread rapidly. It doesn't end in McQuestion. It moves into Normanhurst. It moves into Glenview. It moves into Riverdale. And it keeps moving across the 200 neighborhoods that we make up, that makes up Hamilton, Ontario. And then it breaks those boundaries and moves into Burlington and into the Grimsby. And then moves, breaks those boundaries and moves into Canada and breaks those boundaries and goes into the rest of the world. Pray. And keep praying. And keep serving in ways that advance the gospel. And then Paul continues spend a lot of time on that one. i got to move quickly for the other three verses. Paul says, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. That's true. The devil's trying to obstruct the work of the Lord, and he has his followers, people who have rejected the truth. They're following his ways. You know that. The word for wicked is an interesting word. I just want to spend a little bit of time on that. It's atopoi. And atopoi means out of place, unreasonable, wrong-headed. And I think what Paul is talking about here is this, that there are those who have been taught the faith, who have grown up in the Christian church, who have become unreasonable. And this breaks my heart even as I say that. 
They become, you could say, out of place in the body of believers. People we read about in 1 John 2 verse 19 who went out from us but did not belong to us. They're out of place. Or others we read about in Acts 19 verse 9, they publicly malign the way. Paul says, Lord, pray that, that we will be delivered from them. And that prayer for deliverance is draw us back to you, the source of our life. Snatch us away from anything that's going to ensnare us, make us leave the truth, or keep us from telling the people the truth. Bring us back to you so that we are empowered by your spirit to do what you call us to do. Deliver us, protect us from wicked and evil people. Because we've learned that not everyone has faith, even those sadly in the body of believers. Loved ones, don't ever give up praying for the growth of the gospel and pray against anything that hinders that growth. That's the first point. Here's the second. Don't ever give up on the Lord's faithfulness either. Because <laughs> sometimes you can be a bit discouraged when you don't see things happening as quickly as you would like them to happen. And that's quite normal. One thing the Lord teaches us constantly is patience. At least he teaches, has to teach me this regularly. Don't ever give up on the Lord's faithfulness. Here we go, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. You can say the Lord, you can say don't give up on the Lord's faithfulness, or don't give up because the Lord is faithful. Either way, it's true. We don't need to give up because the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful. And what the author is doing here is, 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 is putting together, you know, in both in Greek and Hebrew, this um, wordplay between faith and faithful. There, not everyone has faith. Listen, not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful. That's good news for Christ's church today. Very good news. Because, listen, our lack of faith or those who have bought into the lies of the devil does not undermine or compromise Christ's faithfulness. Nothing can compromise his faithfulness. I like this quote. I think it was from Spurgeon as well. The glory of God's faithfulness is, is that no sin of ours has ever made him unfaithful. He pushes through our sin even. He pushes through the sin and the evil of this world even. Nothing makes the Lord unfaithful. He is faithful. You see, almost every chapter of the Bible, I hope you know, resounds with this one truth that the Lord is faithful. Almost every chapter. Genesis 17, verse 7, begins with this powerful word that I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. When God made that pledge, every single chapter of the Bible was set out to prove it. He's faithful. He is so faithful. 
I like what Wayne Grudem, he's a, a New Testament, uh, a systematic theologian. He writes, God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he said and fulfill what he has promised. He will always do what he has said and fulfill what he has promised. And it's not surprising then that when we open the pages of the New Testament, we meet, we come face to face with the faithful one, the faithful Savior. He came, you could say, to prove God's faithfulness to his people, to each one of us this morning. And in Jesus, as he walked on this earth, he knew that his mission was ultimately to die, but he didn't, he didn't do anything to subtract himself or remove himself from that vision. He said, this is my mission. This is my vision. I will do it. Why? Because I'm faithful. Nothing compromises the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior. The reality of Christ's faithfulness, you understand. The reality of Christ's faithfulness, you understand, brought him to the cross. And it was his faithfulness that kept him there on our behalf. To do what we could not do on that cross, which was to crush the head of the evil one. To deliver us from evil so we read in colossians 2 verse 15 and having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross and this is what we read now in our text but the lord is faithful listen and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one why maybe how well he proved it by crushing his head he proved it by triumphing over him on the cross. He proved it that, it should, that he has dominion over this world. Not the devil, but Jesus. And so who do we pray for for strength? Against those malign, dark powers at work in this world? We pray to the one who has overcome. The one who has conquered all. And by his strength, he will protect you from the evil one. And so he taught us to pray, deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus says, I can and I will and ultimately I have. So come to me and know that you are more than conquerors because of what I have done. I can protect you. I can save you. I love the words from Isaiah 54 verse 17. It says, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Because Jesus was faithful, those words are ours. Don't ever give up on the faithfulness of Christ. He is faithful. He'll be faithful to the end. Regardless of how strong you might feel the evil one is and how much power he, you feel he still has in your life, he doesn't. He has, his power has been broken. His head has been crushed. His power ultimately will be vanquished. Jesus reigns. He won. So here's the last one. So prayer for gospel growth. Don't ever give up on prayer. Don't ever give up on the Lord's faithfulness. But here we go, just closing off with this. Don't ever give up on the Lord's will for your life. Don't ever give up on the Lord's will for your life. Here we have verse four. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing, that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. 
We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying the church of Jesus Christ, bought by his precious blood, filled, infused by the Holy Spirit, will continue to do what God has commanded the church to do. And that's each and every single member within the church. That commanding of what God has called us to do is simply this. It's our act of obedience. Daily obedience to the Lord. Paul says, I'm confident that you're going to obey every day. I'm confident. I'm confident you're going to obey Jesus in your private life as you would in your public life. I'm confident that you will let wholeness reign in your private life as you let the wholeness of Christ reign in your public life. I'm confident that you will walk in obedience before people as you walk in obedience in your bedroom, Paul says. That confidence, of course, comes from the Lord. We have confidence in the Lord that you're going to do this. And it's true if it's in the Lord. And Paul wants to just direct our hearts there to realize where that confidence is found by closing off with this verse. He says, may the Lord direct your hearts in God's love and Christ's perseverance. You're going to fulfill God's commands. You're going to walk in obedience as you understand God's heart for you. You know, it's very easy, sorry, I'll rephrase that. It's much easier to listen to a teacher. Here, this is a word for teachers. You all know this, teachers. But it's much easier to listen to a teacher who loves you. True story? It's much easier to listen to a coach. I'm a coach now. I'm a proud coach. Um, Who loves the players. Similarly, it's much easier, actually, as a child to listen to a parent when the child knows that the parent loves him or her unconditionally. Maybe that's why Paul says, may this spirit that's alive in you through my word, through God's word, listen, direct your heart. I love this. Okay, true story. This has now become my favorite text for at least this week. But no, for, 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 for this year maybe, I'm like, this is such an awesome text. I didn't, I've been reading the Bible. Anyway. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance or Christ's patience. That's the word. You know very well, and I know very well, that you cannot plumb the depths of God's love for you. I hope you know that this morning. It's like asking you to scale the, 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 the ocean floor between, between Newfoundland and England. Try that, kids. No, don't actually. You cannot possibly scale that floor of the ocean. It's just too deep, too mysterious. It's like asking you to take a shuttle flight to, to the farthest galaxy and, 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 and just show up there. We're talking about the love of God here that knows no bottom. It's unfathomable. You know, 
I don't have time. But I could speak for hours about the love of God, the love that God has for each one of you this morning. Each of you. As St. Augustine once said, God loves each of you as if there was only one of you. That's how much God loves you. I could speak for hours about the power and the unending nature of this love because it's an omnipotent love. It's an all-powerful love. I could speak for hours about the constancy, the, the, the immutability, the unchanging nature of this love. It says it's more constant than the sun that's shining every day. I could speak for hours about the grace and the forgiveness that's demonstrated in this love. I could speak for hours about the holy nature of God's love. It's a holy love. It's a righteous love. It costs his son his life so that we can be pardoned. That's how holy that love is. Oh, the deep, deep wells of God's love demonstrated on the cross for us, man. Just try to plumb that depth this morning. And everything I say about God's love, I could say about Christ's patience towards us, by the way. He is so patient with us. And I, for one, at 48 years old, I often share my age, I don't know why, at 48 years old, am very thankful for Christ's patience with me. I'm less patient with him. May the Lord direct our hearts into the love of God and the patience of Christ. And I wish no greater blessing on you, loved ones, than for him to direct your heart into that love this morning. I don't know where you are. There are some people here maybe who have not given their life to Jesus. I just pray that God would direct, the Spirit of God would direct your heart into the love of God, into the patience of God. And, he, and these are together because, you know, they're just saying basically the same thing. The love of God shines best in the patience of our Savior and what, is, and, what the patience, and what is the patience of Christ, but ultimately the love of the Father. It's all bound up in one, and we're going to celebrate that reality momentarily in the table. You see, loved ones, our world is shaken, and it's constantly being shaken now. There's greed, there's violence, there's, it's racked by evil, it's filled with maligned ways, it's so desperate for hope, so desperately in need of the gospel of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And we have to tarry here for a while, I don't know how long. But I want you to remember that, that God loves you, that Christ is patient with you, he sealed that on the cross for you. And so don't give up. Don't give up on your prayer life. Don't give up on God's faithfulness towards you. Don't give up on fulfilling his commands for your life. Don't give up on listening to his word. Don't give up. His spirit will not suffer your lack of hope and confidence. No, in his power, he will help you. He will point you daily to the one who's come to, who's come to redeem you and one day soon will redeem this world and bring about its wholeness one day soon. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for this gospel message. We have every reason not to give up. God, make us men and women of prayer. Let's pray about what's really, really important.
And that's seeing people changed. Even our own family members by the power of the gospel. God, help us not to give up on your faithfulness. <laughs> to even say that seems strange. But you're faithful. We thank you for that. Lord, help us not to give up on doing your will, fulfilling your commands, knowing that you have a heart of love for us. Those commands are freedom for us. Those commands bring us life, not death. God, help us to fulfill your commands in every area of our life, in whatever we're doing. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.